The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post-show for December 18th, 2023. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. We are one week away from Christmas. I don't really give a shit about Christmas. But usually when this time of the year rolls around, we get some subpar professional wrestling. There's really no build. WWE has done away with the December pay-per-view, which I actually don't mind. I really don't mind at all. And the next time WWE is on pay-per-view or... They're going to bring you a premium live event is in Tampa at the Royal Rumble at the end of January. It is the last Saturday of January 2024. Now, normally, per se, if this was Vince McMahon, these shows would be absolute fucking garbage. Horrendous, comedy-ridden, illogical, nothing would make sense. I would have half the audience I do now. But Triple H, now there it is, man. You know, I got to shill somebody this week, right? Who are we going to shill this week, man? Who are we going to shill? We going to shill Tony? Huh? What about, what about good old TK, man? He, he's, he's, a, he's a regular in the venue. Well, what about Paul Levesque, man? How about we shill Paul Levesque? Oh, listen, man. I can't shill Tony and Paul at the same time, man. I can only do one of them. Only one of them is allowed in the IWC. That's amazing, man. How about we go down to NXT, man? Maybe we shield good old HBK, huh? He's doing some great things down there, man. He's got a fantastic roster down there. Maybe we do HBK. Or maybe I'll throw a wild card in there. Maybe I'll throw a wild card in there, man. Maybe, maybe we'll shield Scott Demore of Impact. I got an even better one, man. How about Brett Lauderdale of GCW, man? Who are we going to shill this week? Fuck off. Can't love professional wrestling, man. I got to hate Raw because, oh, man, JD is pro AEW. We can't like AEW and WWE at the same time. Fucking ridiculous. 
Triple H. Someone, someone, argue with me. Please argue with me. I'm, I'm begging you to fucking go back into the time machine. Go, go search Google and come up with the last time Vince McMahon gave you a fucking pay-per-view on Monday Night Raw. We got no pay-per-view in December. Triple H is building January 1st as a fucking pay-per-view. This is what we all asked for. This is what we all wanted. No longer do these shows go on the air and mean bullshit. Everything has a meaning. Everything has a meaning. WWE did a very, very, very good job of building, and it reminds me of the 2016 era of SmackDown, because they did the same thing back then. But that was Road Dog and Ryan Ward who were running that show. That got put to an end very quickly when Jinder Mahal won the fucking title. They did the same thing back in 2016. Go watch that last SmackDown in 2016 in December. They put on a mini pay-per-view to close out the year because I believe at that time they were still doing the brand separate pay-per-views. And WWE is going back to doing Monday night, giving you a pay-per-view on day one, January 1. I like it. I think it's great. Now, conveniently, New Year's Day is falling on the first Monday. So WWE can get away with that. They can't get away with that for uh, the next six or seven years. So might as well get your, uh, your rocks off on that one. But I love the fact that Triple H has built all of these shows and basically is giving you a mini PLE on Monday in two weeks. Love it. I thought tonight's holiday show was a very good holiday show. Normally, we are ridden with fucking candy canes and campy humor and pies to the face, people dancing around in fucking costumes, whatever the case may be. You know, we got a little bit of that with Kofi Kingston, Kofi Claus, and a little bit of that with R-Truth, the miracle on 34th Street Fight. But all in all, I thought what they did tonight was a solid effort. Great wrestling, built to some stories. They'll take the week off next week because it's Christmas, and then we'll get right back to business in two weeks on January 1. The big thing that happened tonight, I think... Well, without CM Punk being there, the big thing that happened tonight, honestly, you know, it's a mixture of a couple of things. I thought the creeds and what they did on Monday Night Raw tonight in the main event was fucking fantastic. We'll get to the creeds in a second. They wrestled the Judgment Day for the men's undisputed tag team championships. I thought what they did was fantastic. I thought they had a great match. And I know the Creeds right now, they are relatively new, they're fresh, they're young, they're vibrant, they're exciting. The thing with the Creeds are, is that they don't really have any charisma. They lack heavily in the charisma department. They lack heavily in the characters. I know, I know, I know, they they got no charisma. I, I know. See, even Bacardi says Julius and Brutus have no fucking charisma! Thank you! 
appreciate it. Thank you. I get it. I, I can do my own show. I appreciate you, okay? No charisma. No charisma, no character, but, my God, what they do in the ring is fucking great. I thought they were going to win the tag team titles tonight. I did. I thought they were going to win the tag team titles tonight. I thought Triple H was going to put those belts on the young kids, and then we would see the slow demise of Judgment Day. Not yet. Not yet. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know how it's coming. Could be all because of our truth But the Judgment Day live on as tag team champions. But the Creeds, listen, man, you know, I remember when Vince McMahon, because he wanted to and didn't run anything by Triple H, called up. If you guys remember, I know some of you OGs remember. We have Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Ricochet, I believe there was one other who got called up legitimately out of the blue on Monday Night Raw, and Vince made the call. I want these guys on the main roster. We're going to put them on the main roster. I want to see what my son-in-law is doing down there. I want to see who he's building up and who he's really getting behind. We'll bring him up to Monday Night Raw. This was several years ago. We'd throw him in the pool at the deep end and see if they swim. That's what Vince McMahon did. Didn't notify Triple H or anybody in NXT that he wanted it. He made it happen. Now, that was obviously a terrible move and a terrible creative decision because you just can't do that when they're in the middle of NXT business. But Triple H has basically slowed the process here with the Creeds, slowed the process with the Creeds, and they have slowly started to swim deeper and deeper and deeper into the deep end of the pool. And I thought what they did tonight by putting them in the ring with the Judgment Day was a ballsy move. Are they ready for that spot? No, they're not ready for that spot. Is it too soon for them to win the tag team championships? Absolutely, it's too soon for them to win the tag team championships. But they win. They get more out of what they did tonight than people want to truly understand and realize. They were in there with Finn Balor and Damian Priest, who the company has basically given the ball to for the entire year to basically put Monday Night Raw on their backs the entire Judgment Day. And they put the Creeds in there, and they come within an eyelash of winning the Raw and SmackDown Tag Team Championships against a whole group that Triple H and WWE have trusted for months, for weeks, to lead this show. That in itself, even though they didn't win the tag team championships, is a victory for Brutus and Julius Creed. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Are they green? Yeah, they are. Was Damian Priest pissed because Brutus came down on his fucking face with the Brutus ball finish? Yeah. I don't know what Priest was pissed at. He was pissed at that. Or he was pissed that Julius kicked out at a 3.1 after the South of Heaven chokeslam. I don't know. Clearly, they are ready to be on the main roster. Are they ready to be tag team champions? No. That will absolutely come within due time. But they won, even though they lost tonight. So keep that in mind. They don't do that for just anybody. Gunther and The Miz... They had a tremendous match 
on the show tonight. Much better than what we got at the Survivor Series where they were given nine, maybe ten minutes to do what they had to do. They were given two commercial breaks. They were given a three-segment match to tell their story. And Gunther brought The Miz to maybe the best match that The Miz has ever had in his entire career. And The Miz really showed everybody something tonight, man. I know I know, a lot of people really aren't a big fan of what The Miz does, especially in 2023. Listen, I was a Miz guy. I was a, Miz, I was a big Miz guy back in 2016 when he was feuding with Dolph Ziggler with the Intercontinental title on the line, man. That was the best Miz that we've ever gotten. And then he obviously fell off. Miz is a safe wrestler. Miz, in my honest opinion, has some of the worst offense in the history of the business, one of the worst finishers in the history of the business. You don't really give the Miz much credit after, you know, what he's done throughout his entire career. We always pinpoint the negative when it comes to Miz. What he can't do, how weak he is, how safe he is, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's got a resume to back it up. Clearly, he's got accolades of a Hall of Famer and will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. But when you look at him and then you put him in the ring with Gunther after the guy's been booked into oblivion to be made to look like a loser, you don't really expect much out of him. I think he shut a lot of people up tonight. Miz can obviously still go when he wants to go. Now, a lot of that has to, has to do with Gunther because Gunther in, in the ring with anybody is going to make anybody look good. But he showed up to work. You just can't go into the ring and then have a good match with Gunther. You got to show up and fucking work. By the end of this thing, the Miz's chest was beat fucking red, scarred from the chops that Gunther laid upon him. Great match. Believable near falls. I do have one slight problem with the outcome. I do, and we'll get into what the big, oh man, JD loved the match, but what is it? Gotta leave something for you guys to hang around for. There's one thing that I did not like about the match, and it is blatantly obvious what it is. We'll get into that a little bit later. Casey Cottonzaro, or... Katana Chance. I hate the fucking fact that they changed her name. I understand why they did it. I still call her Casey. And Caden, they won the Women's Tag Team Championships tonight. Finally, the Women's Tag Team Championships. Dead titles on two women that are going to do right by them. How long they have them, I don't know. They'll probably, ending, they'll probably end up dropping them to Asuka and Kyrie Sane within a month. Whatever. Whatever the case may be. We have new women's tag team champions and Triple H put the belts on those two ladies who absolutely deserve it. So happy to see them get their flowers and their accolades because it was looking pretty grim for them on the main roster. So they are the women's tag team champions. That's a great move. And if Triple H is resuscitating the women's division in 2024, He's got the right two women holding those tag team titles on the main roster. I'll tell you that right now. We're going to get into everything, including the great back and forth between Seth and Drew McIntyre right here on the Monday Night Raw post show, right here on Off The Script. I appreciate you guys joining me here on the post show. 
We got 2,000 in the venue, man. Slow Monday night. We're nearing the end of the year. But I appreciate everybody that's in the venue tonight, man. Listen, new merchandise is now available on bonfire.com. For the rest of the year, you guys have an opportunity to get one of two designs. We have brand new OTS hoodies available exclusively on bonfire.com. You guys want the shop? You guys can click right underneath the video player. Wherever you're watching, it should be a shop right underneath you. Or if that's too complicated for you, link is in the description down below where it says merch. Click it. It'll take you right to the storefront. It should be the first thing you see there. We got a colored logo and a black and white logo. It looks fucking great. Go and get yours today. They will only be available until the end of the year. And it will be until I say so where they are back up there. So make sure you guys go and get it. They're now available on bonfire.com. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. We got a full week of content for you this week. Drew and I will be live tomorrow night with Tuesday Night Titans. Man, oh man, we got a lot to talk about, man. Mercedes Monet in the news. We got... AEW News, Tony Khan, and the Ring of Honor Media Scrum has given us a lot of ammunition. We got a lot to talk about, man, so do not miss what should be another banger episode of TNT tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Live, right here on the channel. I did talk about the Liv Morgan arrest. Go and check that video out. We did that on Saturday on the homepage. And anything else you guys might have missed. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Hit the thumbs up. Thousand likes is the goal. Always. And tonight's show is sponsored by my new friends over at Imi Ramen Noodles. Click the link that I pinned in the live stream chat. Check them out. We'll talk about my friends over at Imi. A little bit later on in the show. I want to thank them for sponsoring the show tonight on OTS. Yes, I know you fucking perverted geeks. Liv Morgan had a very nice mugshot, man. She's a beautiful lady. Okay, I get it. You guys, man, you guys got to go out there and get some vitamin D, really. It was 60 degrees in New York City this weekend, man. I urge you to please leave. Your one-bedroom fucking ridden apartments and just go outside. Please, for the love of God, go outside. Pro wrestling is not all that exists in this world, okay? There's your, uh, there's your uh, life, your uh, whatever. My knowledge to you. There you go, okay? Monday Night Raw. Judgment Day. They start Monday Night Raw, as always, because they run Monday Night Raw. They're in the middle of the ring, and Damian Priest asked everybody to rise for the Judgment Day. I love when Damian Priest gets on the microphone and starts to yell at the fans. 
You should all rise for the judgment day. Sorry. Damien Priest asked everyone to rise for the Judgment Day. Finn Balor said the Creeds ran the gauntlet and earned a match against them for the WWE Tag Team Championships. Said it's the biggest match of their careers. It is. And probably the biggest night of their lives. It is. He said for them, it's just another day at the office. Rhea Ripley then addressed Ivy Nile, who she'll be defending the championship against at day one. Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, there's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code SCRIPT50 to get 50% off. That's code SCRIPT50 at factormeals.com slash SCRIPT50 to get 50% off. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. On Monday Night Raw in two weeks. She said the Judgment Day ran Raw in 2023, and they'll do it again in 2024. Probably not. Maybe for a little bit, but probably not. Dominic Mysterio began to speak, and then, obviously, he was drowned out by all of the booing. Dominic, Dominic, Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Dominic Mysterio, drowned out by all the boos. 
I don't really know if they're uh, piping it in still. Are they piping it in? Did it sound artificial to you guys? I, I, I gave up. I gave up listening very closely to that. It's old news. Dominic began to speak. He was drowned out. All of a sudden, R-Truth interrupted. R-Truth thinks he's a member of Judgment Day. R-Truth, in fact, is not a member of Judgment Day. He was wearing a Judgment Day t-shirt, though, with his name added on masking tape that was on the shirt. He said he lost track of them. J.D. McFlurry asked what he was doing there. R-Truth entered and said, he's in the Judgment Day now. Truth said his beatdown last week was his initiation into the group. He said it hurt physically and emotionally. McNugget said if he's worried about getting hurt, he should get out of the ring right now. Truth says he wanted a match tonight, someone to beat up on. J.D. McRib stepped up. He challenged our truth to a match tonight. Truth says he's looking around and seeing the Christmas decorations. He said there's a lot of animosity between them, and he wants to be a happy family. He suggested a miracle on 34th Street fight. McDouble said the match was already made and advertised. McTriple cleared up Truth's confusion and told him the match is happening in the ring, not actually on 34th Street in New York City. He also told Truth he's not in the Judgment Day. Truth said it's a loser leaves Judgment Day match. Priest and Dom were laughing at this idea. Priest said it's a good idea. Ripley said no, it's not a good idea. So McFish said Truth will need a miracle to beat him anyway, so he's fine with it. So we got R-Truth versus J.D. McHappy Meal here on Monday Night Raw. Miracle on 34th Street Fight. Now, normally these matches are pretty fucking just childish and just nonsensical. I actually didn't mind this. I, I didn't, believe it or not, I didn't mind this tonight. I don't really know where the fuck they're going with our truth and the Judgment Day, but our truth, I think a lot of people actually missed our truth with him being away. I, I know he got hurt. By doing a spot on an NXT match. I don't remember who he was in the ring against. And he was out for about nine months. Comes back. He's very missed. Everybody loves his sense of humor and his brand of comedy. I don't really mind him. He's entertaining. And J.D. McDonough, you know, I think he's a great wrestler. I think he fits in the Judgment Day. But clearly he's the punching bag of the Judgment Day. Let's, let's be real. So the match got underway, and Truth was in control. Dominic, obviously being that this is a no-DQ match because it's a street fight, Dom posted him on the steel post. Truth grabbed the table after a commercial break. Everybody loved the fact that R-Truth went for the table, but J.D. McDonut cut him off before he could use the table. Dominic tripped Truth as he came off the ropes, but Truth's head landed in McFish's crotch. Not really a uh, ideal place to land, but there you go. 
R-Truth launched Dom into the steel steps, sprayed a fire extinguisher in McRib's face. Truth did John Cena's big spot, the comeback spots, before hitting McMuffin with a Christmas tree. This is where you kind of get the camp, the campy comedy. Oh, look, there's a Christmas tree on the outside because they decorated it for 34th Street. So he picks up the Christmas tree and then fucking throws the Christmas tree at J.D. McDonough. So they battle in the ring. They're up top now. And there was a table behind them in the ring. McDonough headbutted Truth and yanked Truth towards him. But they collided and fell through the table. R-Truth happened to be on top of McDonough. So the way that they came off is R-Truth and then McDonough going back first through the table. They land through the table. R-Truth landed on McDonough, which was a pin in this instance. Referee counted one, two, three. And R-Truth pins J.D. McNugget with a side of sweet and sour sauce. I prefer barbecue in the 34th or Miracle on 34th Street Fight. Now, they did say in the open that this was a loser leaves Judgment Day match. Now, J.D. McDonough is not kicked out of Judgment Day. I'm sorry. We're not kicking J.D. McDonough out of Judgment Day. That, that was just, that was just our truths own ruling. J.D. McDonough is not kicked out of Judgment Day. I think that would be a terrible move for Judgment Day and J.D. McDonough, okay? But I didn't really mind this, and it's got me wondering, where exactly is this going? I don't know. Is R-Truth going to be the bane of Judgment Day's existence? Is R-Truth going to be the one who is responsible for causing such a rift in Judgment Day that they eventually split up what the situation is, when it's going to be? Nobody knows. But is he going to be the one responsible for causing this animosity and separation between the members of the Judgment Day. I don't know. Or how about this? I got to thinking this tonight. We all know that Damian Priest more than likely is going to get kicked out of Judgment Day because he thinks he's the leader and he knows best. He's the leader of Judgment Day. He's going to lead them. Even after the Judgment Day have said as a unit, that there are no leaders within the group. Damian Priest continues to say that he's going to lead and he's the leader and everybody should listen to him. Maybe, maybe at one point during this entire R-Truth ordeal, Damian Priest has a soft spot for R-Truth and as the leader of Judgment Day, the rest of the Judgment Day members don't agree with that at all. And because of Damian Priest having a, a moment where he feels sorry for R-Truth, that's when they realize that he's not really cut out to be the leader and they, they kick him out of Judgment Day. I think R-Truth is there to bring out the baby face in Damian Priest. R-Truth is there not to break up Judgment Day. R-Truth is there to turn Damian Priest baby face and get him kicked out of Judgment Day. Because who can really hate on R-Truth? 
That's what I see happening there. I don't really understand it right now. I think if I was to make a prediction, that's where they go with it. But right now, I mean, it's entertaining and they have done it week after week after week after week now. So they almost have to give it to us on a weekly basis. There's a reason why this is happening. The Judgment Day was taken very seriously. They were just in war games. They lost war games to Cody and Randy. Now they got our truth doing comedy with them. There's got to be a legit fucking end goal here in mind with our truth. I think that's what they're doing. We'll see what happens with that. Nia Jax. Oh, my goodness. Nia Jax and Becky Lynch. Nia Jax made her ring entrance. Nia Jax out there looking uh, very <coughs> festive. Nia Jax looking very festive tonight, man, with the gold, the gold glittery outfit and the black tight leather, man. She looks like she's ready for the holidays. Nia Jax, she's about to speak. Becky says, no thank you. Nia Jax doesn't say anything, and Becky's music interrupts Nia Jax. So Becky's out there. Nia unfortunately speaks. Nia said before she was rudely interrupted, she was about to announce that she's entering the Royal Rumble. Nia Jax is in the Royal Rumble, folks. Oh, my goodness. What an announcement. I'm sure that is just eliciting excitement all across the world, man. Nia Jax in the Royal Rumble, man. Oh, my goodness. Becky said nobody cares that Nia is there. Nobody cares that she's in the Royal Rumble. Nia Jax said the reason that she and Becky never had a match before is because the people in the back are afraid of what I would do to you. Or maybe they're afraid that the match is going to fucking blow and they don't really want to give us subpar quality, Nia. Maybe that's the reason. She said they see Becky as the moneymaker. And that would end if they went one-on-one. She asked if she wants her to break her face again and squash her. No, thank you. Jack seemed to be setting up a a rationalization that this match, if it happens, Becky's going to have another broken face and that she doesn't want this match to happen because of that. Becky says she's the moneymaker because she'll fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. She said her existence has been on the back of someone's name. She said at first it was her cousins and now it's Becky. So basically she's calling Nia Jax a loser who who rides the wave of momentum of everybody else. And she's not talented enough to garner her own momentum. She said her only claim to fame is that she broke the nose of the greatest to ever do it. She said if she wants to prove her wrong, just fight her right here, right now. Jack said she's heard enough and she called for a referee. Well, let's get the match started right now then. She began to enter the ring. Then she stepped back down. Seeing how bad you want this, Becky, you're not going to get it. This will happen on my terms. She said it'll happen in her hometown of San Diego, California, in two weeks at day one. 
Right, man, we got to wait two weeks for this match. I wish we would have gotten it now so we could get it out of the way. Now, Nia Jax wants to torture us for two weeks. So, day one, two weeks in San Diego, Nia Jax began to walk to the back while saying Becky's daughter will be asking her in two weeks why her face is uglier than usual. Becky chased her down, jumped her, Security pulled Becky off of Nia Jax's back. Jax took a cheap shot at Becky, who went down. Her hair was all disheveled, and that was the way this segment came to a close. So, Nia Snorlax here wants Becky Lynch at day one for the first time ever. We're going to get it. I guess we got to keep Becky busy until the Royal Rumble, where she'll probably end up winning the Royal Rumble. But I will say two positive things here. Believe it or not, we got some positivity in this segment, man. We got some positivity coming. Listen, I like the fact. I don't know what took them so long, I guess, because Nia Jax was fired, and she just came back a few months ago to the company. I like the fact that they're giving Becky Lynch something to do with Nia, and they're telling the story, even though I don't really give a shit and I don't want to see the match, I don't care about it, the fact that they're actually taking real-life elements in this and making it into something. It's just not fabricated out of garbage. You know, whatever their issue is are real-life issues, and they're really bringing that to the forefront here to tell this story. So that's a positive, number one. Number two, I think Nia Jax is terrible. I don't think she adds any value to the division whatsoever. I mean, you can quote me on that. I'm not afraid to admit that. I think she's just terrible. But Nia Jax plays a really mean, petty bitch very well. I mean, look, nobody can stand her legitimately. She's doing her job. Great. That's all the positivity you get out of me in one sitting in regards to Nia Jax. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Kofi Claus. Ho, 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 Kofi Claus. The skinniest, most puny Santa Claus I've ever seen. Kofi Claus. He approached DIY backstage. Kofi gave Johnny Gargano a yeet t-shirt. Gargano said his son loves Jay Uso, and I was going to get him a t-shirt for Christmas. Yes, Johnny Gargano's little baby boy loves Jay Uso. DIY walked up to The Miz. Gargano says that they've had differences, but last week was great. The six-man tag was indeed great. Gargano and Miz shook hands. Tommaso Ciampa said it was awesome and smiled. They left. Jackie Redmond came in to ask The Miz a couple questions before his IC title match with Gunther. Asked Miz if he's feeling extra pressure because the Intercontinental title means so much to him. And if he loses, this will be the last chance he has at the IC title as long as Gunther is the champion. Miz said he pushed Gunther to bring or to the brink of losing the one thing that makes him interesting. I'm the Intercontinental Champion, yeah. He made fun of his accent. He says she should ask the man who never wants to face him again if there's any added pressure. 
This was basically an all-or-nothing match for The Miz. Gunther is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. That's their way, or I, I, I should say The Miz's way, of making him feel less than. He's got no charisma. Gunther's charisma or level of charisma is his charisma. Get used to it. You think this title reign is long. Wait till he's the world champion. This man ain't ever losing. It's coming. And you better be ready for it. I don't want to hear any fucking complaining, okay? So, I didn't really care to see this match again. I didn't understand why they were doing it again. I understand that they got to give Gunther some work and probably best if he just beats up on The Miz until we get him into 2024, where they may possibly be coming up with a plan for him to lose the IC title. We don't really know. But this match was fucking really, really good. This was great stuff. And I'm not shocked at how great a Gunther match is. I'm just shocked that The Miz went 20 minutes with Gunther and they delivered a fucking banger. Probably the best of the Miz's entire career. And this was probably the best Miz match, undoubtedly the best Miz match of 2023. No doubt about it. So Gunther swatted the Miz down with a chop, but he was going to be too cocky in this little situation. And Miz caught him in an Indian deathlock. Because obviously Gunther doesn't really take the Miz to be serious. Gunther got a rope break. So the submission hold was was let go. He chopped the Miz outside the ring and power bombed him on the apron. You don't usually see the Miz take a power bomb on the apron, but he did take one here with Gunther. So we go to our first commercial break. Miz fired back, booted him in the face. Gunther mocked Miz before cutting off another comeback with a big shot. Miz fought back, tried to springboard crossbody, but Gunther caught him. Gunther placed Miz on the top rope, drove his boot right into his face. Miz is hanging upside down. He's just fucking just putting the boot right across Miz's chin, right over the the, the turnbuckle and the ropes. Referee's counting a five. He breaks it a four. So more chops. Miz ducked one of the chops outside, and Gunther chopped the ring post, which was the story of the match. So... Gunther's chop, which we all know is fucking highly, highly, highly dangerous and one of his big offensive maneuvers. His chop is now taken out of commission because Miz ducked the chop and Gunther accidentally chopped the steel post. So the hand is now injured. So after that, we go to our second commercial break. So Gunther is selling the hand. He is selling the hand throughout the entire match. He's on offense, but not as big as he was earlier. Miz fought out of some offense, hit a low DDT. He hit a regular DDT, and then he hit a tilt-a-whirl DDT. The Miz, everybody praised the Miz for the tilt-a-whirl DDT. That's the one move he constantly goes back to now. Oh, look, they love my DDT. Let me make it a regular thing now. Tilt-a-whirl DDT, he goes for cover, he gets a near fall. Miz ran out of the corner. Gunther nailed him with a drop kick. Power bomb. He goes for a cover, gets a two count. Gunther then applied the Boston Crab from the power bomb position. 
Miz got to the rope, and the reason why Miz got to the rope is because while Gunther at the Boston Crab applied, he was selling the hand, the hand that he chopped the steel post with. It wasn't 100%. Love it. Gunther chopped Miz, and then Miz is on his knees asking for more. I've never seen that from the Miz before. You know the Miz is fucking feeling it if he's asking Gunther to chop him again, of all people. Gunther applied a sleeper. Miz transitioned into a cradle. He gets a near fall. Miz booted Gunther's injured hand. He hit a skull-crushing finale. Everybody went batshit crazy. Michael Cole was going crazy. Wade Barrett was going crazy. And the crowd was literally feeding out of the Miz's hand at this point. They were loving the close near falls at the end of this match. Crowd, so much into it, they were chanting one more time, one more time. Miz tried a few kicks. Gunther hit an absolutely devastating Rainmaker-like clothesline. Gunther went to the top. Miz kicked the rope into his hand and hit his skull-crushing finale off of the middle rope to Gunther. Normally, you would think that would be it. I, I swear to God, man, they made you believe. And I, I knew he wasn't winning this match. But, man, they made the geeks really believe that Gunther was going to drop the title off of this spot, the skull-crushing finale off the second rope. They thought that Gunther was going to lose the title here with this spot to the miss. He kicked out. So after the skull-crushing finale off the middle rope, Miz went for a cover. Gunther rolled out of the ring, and the crowd booed. Miz rolled Gunther back into the ring, but when Miz entered the ring, Gunther immediately hit him with a powerbomb. Gunther followed with a clothesline, and then another powerbomb, and that was enough for the win. One, two, three, and Gunther retains the IC title. The one part I did not like about the match. Now, granted, granted, Gunther rolled to the outside after the spot. And you could probably make an excuse for it with that. But he basically hit a second rope skull crushing finale. Gunther rolls to the outside to evade the pinfall, which probably would have ended the match. Gunther rolls to the outside. He basically, at this point, is no-selling. The skull-crushing finale off the second rope. Miz rolled Gunther back into the ring, and all of a sudden, Gunther hit him with a powerbomb. Gunther then followed with a clothesline, another powerbomb, and that was it. I don't want to say Gunther no-sold the skull-crushing finale off the second rope because he rolled to the outside, but he basically no-sold the skull-crushing finale off the second row. Miz went outside, rolled him back in. Gunther was already waiting with a dropkick. Now, I'm going to give Gunther a pass on that. Do you want to know why I'm going to give Gunther a pass on that? Even though it's kind of silly, shouldn't be doing that type of shit if you're not going to end the match with it or sell it. It's the guy's finishing move off the second fucking turnbuckle. But Gunther is the ultimate final boss when it comes to this IC title. You ain't just going to beat him on a fucking skull-crushing finale. Give me a break. Come on now. 
give Gunther a little bit more credit. I think if there's one guy that deserves to be kicking out of someone's finish, it is Gunther. I didn't really mind it, but it did look a little silly. So I got to call it out because I usually call it out when it's in AEW. Pile driver, pile driver, pile driver. People kicking out of fucking everybody's finishing moves, man. It's like they got a fucking video game mentality. They got three finishing moves stored up and they boom, boom, boom. And then they still kick out. Is anything sacred anymore? No. So the old school fan in me is like, all right, the guy just hit his finishing move off the second turnbuckle. Can we get at least some sell job? But the match went 20 minutes and Gunther's a fucking final boss. And nobody's taking that title off of him. One, two, three, Gunther retains. Great match. Probably the best of Miz's career. Absolutely the best Miz match of 2023. And there really isn't much to gauge that on because the guy's lost almost every match he's wrestled this year. But I think, and I'm going to start going a little easy on Mike Mizanin. The guy, when he wants to work, can certainly work. I think what this feud did, Survivor Series, the promos leading up to Survivor Series, and then this match, proved two things. Gunther was good for The Miz, and The Miz was good for Gunther. Gunther, they tested him. They didn't really need to test him, but they tested him. They want to see where he's at because they got grand ideas for him in 2024. He's more than likely going to be your new world heavyweight champion at some point next year. It's not going to be Rollins. It's not going to be Punk. It's going to be Walter or Gunther. Walter. Gunther. WWE wants to know that in that moment with one of the best talkers in the business, that he can go toe-to-toe, and he did. He passed the test with flying colors. Now, for The Miz, a lot of people put down The Miz. A lot of people discredit The Miz, me included. And you watching me or listening to me, you've also discredited The Miz at one point or another. Don't bullshit me. We've all discredited Mike. But I think after this feud, we shouldn't really be discrediting him as much as we are used to discrediting him. When he wants to work, he shows up to work. I think what he got out of this is to show the world that he's still a professional wrestler and a damn good one at that. And I thought these guys absolutely had a banger match. They they were given double the amount of time they were given that Survivor Series, and they fucking killed it. They killed it. Awesome stuff. He can't get a title match anymore. No more IC titles as long as Gunther is the champion. I don't know where we go with Gunther, but I will say this. If Mike Mizanin, the Miz, can make you believe in a near fall when I think 100% of the people know he's not winning that title tonight with those near falls, if they made you believe with the Miz, imagine what's going to happen when he actually loses that championship, whether it be against Ricochet or Gable or whoever. I don't even know who the fuck they got in mind to take the title off Gunther. In fact, I wouldn't I wouldn't even fucking take the belt off him. I'd have him go into WrestleMania as the champion and fucking win there too. Drop the title, move on, win money in the bank or win king of the ring, whatever. 
and then go on and challenge the champion like a real professional wrestler. Cash in, no sneak attacks, no blindsiding the champion. Cash in, get your main event spot, win the title. Who's going to take the title off Gunther? Is there anybody on this show? He's run through everybody. Maybe it's Gable. Maybe. But if Seth gets punk at WrestleMania, we may be looking at a Gunther Lesnar intercontinental title match at WrestleMania. And if that's the case, Gunther needs to win there. Lesnar's not winning the title. They don't give a fuck about the title. It's all about streaks. I ended one streak at WrestleMania. You know who that is. Now I'm here to end yours. You called me out. You called me your final boss. Well, bitch, here I am. Final boss is standing right in front of you. Simple. The story is right there. That is if Punk gets Rollins. Because if Punk gets Austin, Rollins gets Gunther. That's just the way it's going to work out. But I don't have Gunther lose at all. The idea of Gunther not taking a loss and just vanquishing the title, releasing it to the wild, relinquishing the title upon the WWE Raw roster. Here you go. I beat everybody. There's nobody else for me to beat. None of you deserve to be in my presence. I'm going on to the World Heavyweight Championship now. I know he probably doesn't want that, but it's not up to him. It's up to Triple H. But this was a great match. Absolutely great match. Love it. The Creeds. Did a video package that focused heavily on how hard they train. I like the video packages that Triple H has integrated into the show. Spoke of their pedigree and declaring momentum to bring home the tag team titles. Great stuff. Backstage, after Gunther beat Miz, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci, they applauded and congratulated their boss. Gunther says they have nothing to celebrate because their year has been a complete write-off as he sees it. He says he's going to step away for a few weeks and recharge. They better grind and work hard and finally impress him. Gunther walked away. I don't know where we're going with that, but I don't really like the fact that they're teasing a breakup of Imperium. I don't. So Gunther walked away. In walks Kofi Kingston, dressed as Santa Claus. He walks up to both Kaiser and Vinci and asks them what was wrong. Kaiser says he doesn't have time for this nonsense. Kofi said just because Gunther put them on the naughty list doesn't mean they have to take it out on him. Kofi then gave them a gift. It was a lump of coal. Ha ha. Kaiser and Vinci stared at him. And walked away. Great. I still don't know why we're teasing a breakup of Imperium. I think they're better together than they are separated. Don't know where it's going. I have yet to figure it out after all these teases. Don't know. Shinsuke Nakamura. We got the American Nightmare before Christmas. Shinsuke Nakamura reading the most fabled children's tales this holiday season. The Nightmare Before Christmas, rewritten by Shinsuke Nakamura. He was sitting next to a Christmas tree with eerie red lighting around him in the back. He read in English 
from the book. And we got some subtitles on the screen just in case you can't understand when he speaks. He says he is planning to ruin Cody's plans and extinguish his glory. At the reindeer part of the story, he says, You bastard, you cancer, you prancer, you nitwit, your vomit, you're stupid. Your father was inbred. He called Dusty inbred. He closed with this American Nightmare Before Christmas by saying, Merry Christmas to you. I will be your last fight. I don't have the entire dialogue, but he did actually read the story. Oh, I have it right here. Look at that. Twas the week before Christmas and out from my mouth came a warning to Cody that Shinsuke would pounce. While your daughter is nestled all snug in her bed and visions of championships dance through your head. Shinsuke is plotting to live out your story, to ruin your plans and extinguish your glory. The nightmare is over. The nightmare is through. The mist burns its eyes, for the nightmare is you. You bastard, you cancer, you prancer, you nitwit, your vomit, your stupid, your father was inbred. My goal is to see that you're living in fright. Merry Christmas to you. I will be your last fight. Maybe I should do voiceovers for children's books, man. Seriously. Cody Rhodes all of a sudden barged in and attacked Nakamura. He let him finish the story, and then he attacked him. Rhodes attacked Nakamura. They brawled through the backstage area to ringside. Rhodes set Nakamura up for something on the announce table, but a security guard ran in and pulled Nakamura away. So more security came. Nakamura backed off. Crowd was chanting, let them fight. I think Cody knocked one of the security guards out. I wonder if he's going to be fined. Honestly, put his hands on a security guard. Maybe he'll be fined by Adam Pearce and WWE officials. But clearly they're building towards another match because the first match, Cody won by DQ because Nakamura took the coward's way out by spitting the red mist in Cody's eyes. Some people said this was too much. Some people thought this was cringy. It's a WWE Christmas episode. What the fuck do you expect? The American Nightmare Before Christmas. I thought it was actually quite creative, to be quite honest with you. If you didn't like it, good. He's a fucking heel. What do you want him to do? I'm sure he's done enough. But it's a Christmas episode. If they could turn some Christmas campy bullshit into a story that forwards this with Cody, so what? He's a heel. He's supposed to be an evil prick. I didn't mind it at all. Some people had a problem with it. Whatever. Could they have done without the inbred stuff? Sure. But I doubt, I doubt Cody went into this blind. I'm sure Cody gave the thumbs up of approval here. I don't think they would do that to Cody Rhodes without asking his permission. Hey, Cody, we're going to say this about your father. We're just going to put this in the promo. Are you all right with that? I'm sure Cody gave the thumbs up. Chelsea Green 
and Piper Niven. They defended the women's tag team championships against Caden Carter and Katana Chance. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get into the women's tag team title match, I have a word from my sponsor, man. Tonight, we are sponsored by a new sponsor here on the show. My friends over at Emmy Ramen Noodles. Now, you're probably wondering, JD, are you now selling noodles? No, I'm not selling noodles. I am eating noodles. I love noodles. I'm fucking Italian, man. I love me some noodles, okay? Emmy is a great lunch. I had Emmy a couple of times last week, man. Did the job during my long destiny sessions where I didn't really want to think too much about it. And I just wanted to pop something on the stovetop quick. Get back to my gaming. Emmy, problem solved. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great new friends over at Emmy. Man, if there's one thing that I love and I always go to, even when I'm going to the gym and I should be watching my diet, it is noodles. I love noodles. If you guys want to eat low carb, but also miss the noodles like I did, I got something for you today, man. And today's sponsor, today's podcast is sponsored by Emmy. Emmy is the tastiest way to cut carbs from your diet so you can get your noodle fixed without the guilt and without the food coma. Each packet of Emmy has 21 grams of protein and 6 grams net carbs, and you can pick from six chef-crafted vegan flavors like creamy chicken, spicy red misu, and black garlic chicken, just to name a few. Now, today, I'm making myself the spicy red miso because I like a little kick in my noodles, man, and spicy red miso has that perfect heat and that perfect flavor just for me. You know, now that I'm going to the gym again, I want to stay lean, man. Each packet of Emmy only has five grams of net carbs, keeping me lean and active. I'm staying in shape with a delicious, comforting bowl that tastes way better than these bland protein shakes and protein bars. And Emmy has me eating ramen again, man. 300 calories, 85% less net carbs than a normal instant ramen, so I don't have to feel guilt anymore about eating something that I genuinely love. So if that looks good and sounds good to you, go to emmyeats.com slash jdfromny or by clicking the link in the description to get 15% off of your order. That's emmyeats.com slash jdfromny to get 15% off and a 30-day money-back guarantee from Emmy, so it's literally risk-free. You don't even have to return it. I want to thank Emmy for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on Off The Scripts. JD McNoodle, man. How about them noodles? Click the link in the description, or click the link that I posted pinned in the comment section, man. Emmy Noodles, I want to thank them for being a sponsor tonight right here on Off the Scripts. Katie Carter, Katana Chance, Chelsea Green, Piper Niven, Women's Tag Team Championships. I know a lot of people enjoy, I don't really know if they do legitimately, but I think a lot of people tend to enjoy Chelsea Green and her shtick. I find it to be painfully outplayed and boring. I think she's so much better off doing anything else, being a little bit more of an unhinged character like she was. Listen, you know, Chelsea doing this type of shit 
is a great introductory to get her into the WWE again and get her in front of a main roster audience, pairing her with Piper Niven. I don't really understand the, the pairing or the tag team. It didn't really do anything for me at all. It was just another random pairing of two women because WWE's got no legit tag teams. But Chelsea is very good. If they let her work, she's very good. But let's be honest here. They, they, they did not need to be tag team champions. WWE kept the titles on them because they genuinely had no fucking clue as to where they wanted to go with the tag team titles. Now, all of a sudden, we got some direction with the women's tag team titles. And that direction is Caden Carter and Katana Chance. They were very good in NXT as women's tag team champions. They led that division. They were having banger matches. They really gelled and molded themselves as a legit tag team. You see the work that they have put in to get where they need to be. And I think they're fucking great. I love both of these girls. Awesome. They did win the tag team titles tonight. They are the new women's tag team champions. Great. Piper Niven hit both ladies with a Vader bomb. And we go to commercial break. It wasn't looking good for Chance and Carter here. Carter fought back after the commercial. And made a cover on Chelsea Green. Piper tried to break it up with a splash, but Carter moved and Green got splashed instead. So, some miscommunication by the champions. Carter followed with a springboard leg drop for two. Green hit Carter with a code breaker. Held her in place on her knees as Niven hit a senton. But Katana broke up the cover. It could have been all she wrote there for the challengers. Carter and Chance teamed up and hit Niven with the keg stand. One of their signature moves, but Chelsea barely broke the cover up. Chance reversed an unprettier into a code breaker before Carter and Chance hit green with the after party, which is their finish. Combo neck breaker and 450 splash. One, two, three. And Katana Chance and Caden Carter are the new women's tag team champions. Crowd popped for the end. Crowd gave them a round of applause. And the new champion celebrated as the... Segment came to a close. I don't know how long they hold these championships. I don't. I don't really see them holding the championships for long. If you guys watched Friday, Damage Control has already made a mention of the Women's Tag Team Championships. They're a legit tag team. It will be the first time and I think many, 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 many months where we have a legit tag team in Carter and Chance possibly defending a title the title, against another legit tag team here in Asuka and Kairi Sane. There is no other team that is taking the titles off of these women. They can go to any brand they want. They can go to SmackDown. They can go to NXT for, for, for all we care. They could go down there as well. I don't know who exists down there as a tag team, but more than likely, we're going to keep it to the main roster. There's no tag teams on Raw. Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark are not a tag team. They're not winning the tag team titles. Tegan Knox and Natalia are not a fucking tag team. We're done with Chelsea and Piper Niven. Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell are not winning the titles. They're going to SmackDown, and their first major feud will be with Damage Control. Asuka and Kairi Sane. More than likely, they will win the tag team championships because Triple H is putting a lot of stock in damage control right now. What happens after that? I don't really know. 
One could take a stab at it, but we don't know what's going on or what Triple H is thinking about. I know Sasha Banks is in the rumor mill a lot. Is Bailey going to get kicked out of damage control? I don't know. I said this on Friday. It looks like they put a stop to that for now. Bailey mentioned that EO is the women's champion. Bailey mentioned that Kyrie and Oscar are going after the tag team titles. Bailey mentioned she's entering the Royal Rumble and will win the Royal Rumble. She will challenge Rhea Ripley and win the Monday Night Raw Women's World Heavyweight Championship. And Damage Control will have all the titles in WWE. Eo's going to be the champion. Asuka and Kyrie are going to be the champions. Bailey is not going to be the champion. I don't know what Bailey does, but I think when she fails to win the Royal Rumble, I think damage control is going to be a reason for why she doesn't win the Royal Rumble. And then they end up kicking Bailey out of damage control. Bailey at that point will have no friends. Bailey does have a friend, and it may be boss and hug connection time. It's going to be boss time. Once again in WWE. Sasha Banks and Bailey. I predicted this. I could be wrong. We don't know where she's going. She could very well end up in AEW. She could end up in Impact. Scott Demore, I know, teased one of the biggest signings potentially in the history of TNA. We don't know where Mercedes is going. All we know is that she's back, she's healthy, and she's back to training. But I mean, it's tailor-made for her to be back in the WWE as a storyline is ready and waiting for her with Bailey getting kicked out of damage control, having no friends, and then calling upon the one friend that she does have in Sasha to take out damage control and revisit the feud of Bailey and Sasha versus Asuka and Kyrie at WrestleMania. That's the way that I see it. Sasha and Bailey versus the Kabuki Warriors at WrestleMania 40 for the women's tag team titles. Imagine that. The reason why she left the WWE is because Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, and John Laryngitis shit on them and lied to them in regards to the women's tag team titles. You guys know the story there. They wanted to split the tag team up while they were still tag team champions. They wanted Naomi to go put over Bianca. They wanted Sasha to put over Ronda on SmackDown. No, bitch. We're the tag team champions. Come up with some solid creative with us as a team. We're not here to put others over. We're here to make the titles better and build the division. They didn't afford them the opportunity to do that, so they said, peace out, bitch. Fuck off. Then you get the stories of John Laryngitis and Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard not wanting to pay Sasha, saying that she peaked and that she wasn't worth the money. 30 years old, huh? Wow, man. One of the greatest female professional wrestlers that ever lived. And you're just letting her walk and not paying her. 30 years old, man, she's peaked. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, man. I'd love to see what the fuck they're looking at. So she left. She didn't do anything until January of this year where she showed up at Wrestle Kingdom and did her thing with Kyrie. Now Kyrie's in the WWE and Kyrie's a part of the damage control storyline 
And all signs are pointing to Sasha Banks returning to the company. Again, it is a rumor. She could very well join AEW. She could very well join Impact or TNA. Trinity's over there. But imagine the reason why she left the WWE in the first place is because they shit on her and the women's tag team titles only for her to come back and win the tag team titles the way that they did when the titles were created. Who were the first women's tag team champions? Sasha Banks and Bayley. Why did Sasha leave the WWE? Because they lied to her in regards to the women's tag team titles. Then she comes back and is placed in a women's tag team title feud with Bayley and things are now on their way to being right with Paul Levesque in charge? Color me shocked, man. I mean, it's tailor-made. Again, it's rumor and speculation. Scott Demore teased a major signing, the biggest in their history. I don't know who else is out there that's a fucking free agent that's on that level. She could go to AEW for all we know, but why would she go there? She was on her way there. We were all confident she was. She was at All In. If she didn't get hurt, she was there. She was set to debut in Boston, the blood and guts. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. With all the news coming out of AEW and the lack of direction in their women's division, I don't know why she would go there. WWE is going to be the place she ends up in. But Impact is a real possibility being that Trinity is over there and Trinity is one of her best friends. Don't laugh at that option. Don't laugh at that possibility. It is absolutely a possibility. She may want to be in charge of her own future. She may want to continue doing Hollywood where WWE will not afford her to do that. She may want to still wrestle in Japan where WWE will not afford her the option to do so. We don't know. It's going to be up to her. But there is a possibility that this could lead to Bailey and Sasha versus the Kabuki Warriors. And Caden Carter and Katana Chance are just temporary interim champions. Alpha Academy. They were with Ivy Nile on the back. Nile said she asked Pierce for a match against Rhea Ripley after hearing what she said earlier. Nile said her goal was to become champion in 2024. We all have goals. We all have goals. Ivy Nile wanted to be champion in 2024. That may be reaching a little too far. Here Tozawa showed up, announced he got himself a match against Ivar. Ivar and Valhalla showed up. Otis and Chad Gable did not like this idea. Chad Gable told him, bro, when I told you to go big into the new year, I, I did not mean this big. Ivar is a big guy. So we go from that to some of the lower-tiered women on the roster, including Natalia. They applauded Katana and Kaden when they walked to the back, showing off their new hardware. Kofi Claus congratulated them and asked what they wanted for Christmas. They said they got exactly what they wanted in the women's tag team titles. Kaden and Katana dragged Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell to go party with them. Natalia with Tegan Knox told Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark that... It looks like we have new champions. 
And I'm sure they're going to need new challengers. Yes, nobody wants to see any of these four women challenge Caden Carter and Katana Chance. Let's do better. Ivar! He squashed. Not really a squash. Akira got some offense, meaning he got squashed with how the match ended up. Akira Tozawa with Maxine Dupree, four minutes. This wasn't as bad, man. This was uh, four minutes, and everybody's wondering, well, where is this Akira Tozawa? Tozawa's great. Minus all the campy bullshit comedy that Tozawa gives us on a weekly basis, Tozawa is a world-class professional wrestler. He's fucking great. Let's get more Akira Tozawa the way we saw him in the ring tonight against Ivar. Said this fucking dancing bullshit that he does. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. What is he doing? Tozawa countered Ivar's early attacks. Ivar caught him midair, set up a power slam. Tozawa slipped free and landed a big spike DDT on the big guy. Tozawa charged at Ivar on the corner. Ivar blocked him, slammed him down into the mat. He followed with a top rope splash. Tozawa luckily moved out of the way. He then tore his T-shirt off, struggled with it a little bit, and then hulked up by ripping his T-shirt. Valhalla was on the apron. Maxine sees this, shoves her down, backed away from Valhalla. Valhalla charged. Maxine sidestepped her, and she ran right into the ringside barricade. Tozawa then goes up top, lands a top rope senton on Ivar. Tozawa's got the best-looking senton in the business. Easy. Absolutely devastating senton. Nailed it, and Ivar kicks out. Ivar kicked Tozawa, and Tozawa landed on the back of his head. Ivar then climbed the top rope. Tozawa got up, knocked him off balance. Tozawa landed a high roundhouse kick. Set up a big move on the top rope, but Ivar blocked it and gave him the world's strongest slam from the second rope. Tozawa was finished. Like I said, squashed off the power slam. One, two, three, and Tozawa goes down in defeat. Now, he got a little bit more offense than people gave him credit for, but listen, man, good on him. Showing everybody that he's actually a great professional wrestler, man. All the kids on social media. Oh, Tozawa's a, he's a geek. Why is he in this job a match? Because Tozawa's a great wrestler. That's why. How many of you were shocked that Tozawa is a great wrestler? More of that, please. Seth Rollins. He made his ring entrance. He was dressed as the Grinch. I'm the Grinch 365 days out of the year. Not just on Christmas. He wore some red. He wore some green. He's out there. He's singing the song. And everybody's singing the song because uh, that's all they got. That's all Seth's got. Whoa!
Seth Rollins, after everybody got done singing American Idol, Seth said after last week's confrontation, he's feeling more motivated than ever to continue being the best world champion in the entire industry. Sure thing, guy. Sure thing, man. Uh, I don't know if you know that Roman, well, let's be real. He's probably better than Roman at this point, right? Well, not according to WWE management. Roman's got, what, 1,205 days, six days now? Come on, man. Seth in the shadow of Roman Reigns. Rollins. Sorry, bro. Just the way it is. Is Seth's title reign better than MJF's? Nah. I think MJF's got him beat there, too. So that would make MJF the third best world champion in the business. Great. Not, not, not to take anything away from him. He's a great wrestler. But let's be real. Let's be real. Let's be honest with ourselves, okay? He says, up next is Drew McIntyre. Cue Drew McIntyre's music. He walks out. Seth laid the belt down in front of him. Michael Cole said Seth has not been pinned in a singles match since January 3rd of 2023. It's great. Michael Cole might have just jinxed Seth Rollins. You know, you ever watch a, a baseball game and then they give you this fucking stupid statistic, right? You know, a guy's got a no-hitter going into the fucking seventh inning, eighth inning, and then they got some fucking stupid bullshit stat, right? Uh, so, so, so-and-so is at the plate. He's he's four for he's four for fourteen with fucking uh, two strikes in the last two weeks or some fucking some ridiculous statistic. Thanks for telling me he's gonna get a base hit, asshole. Thanks for telling me. What happens? The next boom. There you go. No, it is broken up. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, announcer, for fucking jinxing the goddamn perfect game. You fucking asshole. I hate that shit. Seriously, I hate that shit. Oh, this guy, this team is fucking, uh, what, 12 for 24 with men in scoring position. There's no score. There you go, man. We're going to get scores on the fucking scoreboard. We're going to get runs on the scoreboard now. Thanks a lot, asshole. I hate that shit. Cannot stand that. Soon as they announce whatever, goodbye. Ridiculous. So, he hasn't been pinned. Is Michael Cole giving us a glimpse into the future about Drew McIntyre pinning? Or maybe it's not even McIntyre. Maybe it's Damian Priest. We don't know. McIntyre pinning Seth Rollins. I will get back to that in a second. Because I'm going to dead the discussion that I saw on social media tonight. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. So, three years, or uh, January 3rd, rather. Hasn't been pinned since January 3rd. Drew says he's not there to get into a fight because he has a match coming up with him. He wants it. He told Seth he's a real leader for the way he looked punk in the eye and told him the truth and said what needed to be said. That, my friend, is a real leader. He said Seth is the world's heavyweight champion and on a roll in front of his hometown crowd singing his song. Fans began singing his song, and they were terribly off-tune. 
Drew recently said that he's been reflecting a lot on the sacrifices his family has made. He says he's starting to feel a certain way, including guilt. He says he's seen his family members get older. He said for the first time ever, he questioned if it was all worth it. He said he thinks Seth can relate to that. He said his wife is in the same position, sacrificing every week, all the time that could be with her family. He says he knows the difficult conversations when a family member gets sick and you can't be there for them. Drew brought up his mom and her dad and how they wanted to be by their side as they go through it and you chase your dream, but suddenly they are not here anymore. He told Seth to look him in the eye. He says he doesn't want his title. He needs his title. He said he needs the validation to know all of his sacrifices are worth it. He says he's willing to hurt Seth and do whatever it takes to take that title from him at day one raw. Seth says they don't entirely know how to feel about him. He says he wants to take to heart what he says and believe him, but actions don't line up with his words. He says he's not sure if he should believe him or call you out on your crap, he tells Drew. He says he came to him after Crown Jewel and says he was going to work his way back to another title shot, and he's done that. He asked Drew, what makes him think the outcome will be any different? Seth then asked him if he's willing to cheat and lie and take shortcuts. He says he still wants to blame others. He says the one thing he needs to do is take the responsibility for his actions. He says he should face the hard reality that the only person keeping Drew from being a world champion is Drew McIntyre. He said when he told another man he hated him, he meant it, punk. He says he doesn't hate Drew, but he pities him. Drew hung his head and seemed a little hurt by what Rollins had to say. Seth wished Drew a Merry Christmas and said he'd see him in a couple of weeks at day one Raw. He turned to leave. Drew went after him. Seth blocked him, knew the attack was coming, and punched him. He then kicked Drew. He rolled to the floor. Seth did a suicide dive through the ropes and knocked Drew McIntyre down. He then mounted Drew McIntyre, throwing punches in his face. Drew shoved Seth into the ringside barricade. Drew yelled that he doesn't need Seth's pity. Drew then catapulted Seth into the ringside steps face first. And Seth grabbed his left elbow in pain. And Drew McIntyre left, leaving Rollins writhing in pain. Now, I thought this was great. What McIntyre was saying, I don't really know McIntyre's history and what his feelings are on the matter, but I would assume that what he said was a legit shoot. And he's bringing the real-life instance, in this case, to what a pro wrestler goes through for the sake of winning the championship and the sake of glory. He can't be there for his wife. He can't be there with his family. He can't get to see his family members and, and the sacrifices that are made. Drew basically detailed to you the sacrifices a professional wrestler makes by being on the road 300 days out of the year. It's real. He wants the title. He needs it, though. He needs the championship. I like that. 
It's just, it just adds a new layer or another layer of what we've already liked about this heel turn for Drew McIntyre. He's doing some great work. And Rollins has been spot on with his promos, too. I know, you know, the, the funny outfits, the goofy outfits, the sing-alongs, and all this other shit, we can make fun of it. But when it comes down to it, I mean, these guys had a fucking banger match at Crown Jewel. They give these guys the main event spot to do what they got to do. It's going to be a second banger at day one Raw. Great match. Rollins has killed it. Promo work has been on point. And I'm looking forward to what these two guys do. Now, does McIntyre win the championship? This has been a discussion in the community tonight. I want to talk about this now because I don't really know where they're going to go with it. Sami Zayn has been out. We could see Sami Zayn come back and cost McIntyre the championship. Story's right there for that to happen because McIntyre put Sami on the shelf, quote-unquote, wrote him off TV. We could see Sami come back and get his revenge and Seth retains the title. I don't know what is going to happen here. We could see Sami. We could see Damian Priest. I, I, don't see, I don't see Drew McIntyre winning the championship here. I don't. But I've seen some discussion happen on social media tonight where they were talking about or several parties were talking about Drew McIntyre potentially winning the championship and then CM Punk costing Rollins the championship. No, I don't, I, I, I don't like that at all. I don't like that outcome at all. I think that's a terrible outcome. Why would Punk cost Rollins the championship for McIntyre to win it. Then in turn, they go on and continue to explain that Rollins would enter the Royal Rumble and eliminate Punk from going on to win the Royal Rumble and main eventing WrestleMania. Setting up their WrestleMania match as a one-on-one match without the world championship. You're drastically changing WrestleMania for the worse if that's the road you want to take. CM Punk and Seth Rollins needs the World's Heavyweight Championship. I don't give a shit what anybody says. CM Punk wins the Royal Rumble. That's it. Cody wins the Chamber. That is it. I don't know how else you want to get there or how you are going to get there, but that needs to be the case. That needs to be it. CM Punk and Seth Rollins needs... The world title. Otherwise, you absolutely deviate away from the mission statement of why CM Punk is back. CM Punk is back not to be a part of WrestleMania. Who gives a shit? Anybody could be a part of WrestleMania. He could be a part of WrestleMania fucking eight days out of seven. He doesn't give a shit about being a part of WrestleMania. You defeat the purpose if you take the title away from Rollins and Punk. CM Punk is back to main events WrestleMania. CM Punk needs the World Heavyweight Championship in his match with Seth Rollins. If the title's not going to be on the line, I don't know why we do the match in the first place, and we might as well just call up Stone Cold Steve Austin and give him whatever the fuck he wants to come out of semi-retirement and wrestle CM Punk if we want a non-title match. Seth Rollins, if he's not the world champion, what the fuck does he do at WrestleMania with a 
CM Punk. The title is the story. You take all of the story away if you don't put the championship on the line. A one-on-one match does not interest me in that story without the championship. It needs the title. He needs to main event. Plain and simple. If you don't want any title on the line, I don't give a shit. Give me Stone Cold and CM Punk then. Give me Gunther and Rollins. And if Rollins dropped the title to Gunther at WrestleMania. But it absolutely needs the championship. I, I, need, I need everybody to stop this, this narrative of what if, what if CM Punk costs Seth Rollins? Blah, 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 blah. Awful, awful, awful idea. We don't need that at all. Kofi Kingston. He's out there tossing more gifts to fans. Kaiser and Vinci attacked him. Guess they didn't appreciate Kofi Claus. Jay Uso made the save. Jay Uso was wearing a Yeet t-shirt that was blurred out. Now, I, I, I refrained from asking because I wasn't really sure. You know, I didn't want to be late to the party on anything. And I just let the answer kind of come to me instead of just going out there and tweeting something that I I initially saw immediately on social media, right? Apparently, WWE had blurred out the yeet in Jimmy Uso's new, or or Jay Uso's new t-shirt. And it's actually part of the design of the t-shirt. They're selling yeet t-shirts now blurred out even though they already have squared away the whole Yeet trademark. Like, he's allowed to use it. He's allowed to say it. He's allowed to use it however he wants. But now they're selling Yeet merchandise that is blurred out because now they're making a joke of it. Meanwhile, I thought it was a regular Yeet T-shirt that was just blurred out for TV purposes. Any way they could make money, WWE's going to take the road and make that money. So, Jay Uso made the save here, and Jay Uso gets a match with Ludwig Kaiser. Jay wins in about 10 minutes. Not a bad match, but this was clearly just put on the show to waste some time. Finchie got involved a couple of times. Kingston reappeared to take him out with the Trouble in Paradise. Jay hit Kaiser with a spear and the Uso splash, and that was basically it. Of course, Kaiser wasn't going to beat Jay Uso, and they're going to continue selling the fact that Gunther is being let down by them constantly failing. I don't know why. I don't know why. Damian Priest. He's in the back with Judgment Day. Priest laughed at J.D. McFlurry right in his face and said he actually lost to R-Truth. Dominic joined in and Ripley said enough and yelled at everybody. She said, when anyone loses, it reflects poorly on all of Judgment Day. Priest said, yes, that makes sense. But since McDonough lost, he's out of Judgment Day. McDonough said, please don't kick me out of the group. Priest said, all right, you're obviously still in the Judgment Day for now. Ripley said she talked with Pierce she said she's putting her title on the line against Ivy Nile at day one. Balor says they'll take care of business tonight against the Creeds. I don't know what they're insinuating there. All right, all right. You're still in Judgment Day for now. 
So we go right to the main event. Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus Julius and Brutus Creed for the WWE Tag Team Championships. This was a very good main event match. One that I thought the Creeds were going to win the tag team titles. But they did not. They did not. So we go into a commercial break almost immediately. One minute into the match. Creeds were working over Balor. Come back. Priest made a blind tag. Knocked Julius out of the ring. Hit a clothesline. Brutus tagged in. He ran wild on Balor and hit a gut wrench slam. Priest tagged himself in again and used a running charge to send Brutus over the announce table. Brutus fought back after the break and made the tag to Julius to hit Balor and Priest with overhead belly-to-belly suplexes. Julius fired up the crowd, which was honestly pretty quiet up until maybe the last three minutes of the match. He hit a standing shooting star press, which was fucking beautiful on Balor for a two-count. Ripley, all of a sudden on the outside, attacked Ivy Nile, but Ivy Nile got Ripley on her shoulders and dropped her face first on the ringside apron. This is where things pick up. The Creed's hit Balor with the Brutus Ball. Priest broke up the cover. Julius counted a Priest chokeslam with a drop kick. He had a flip dive off the top rope to the outside. Balor in the ring hits a sling blade on Brutus. He sets up for the coup de grace, hits it. Julius broke up the cover. Creed's gave Priest a Brutus ball, and they came right down on Priest's face. Well, Brutus did anyway. Balor broke up the cover by hitting the coup de grace on Julius right across his back as he was making the cover on Damian Priest. Brutus wiped out Balor with a dive. Priest gave Julius a South of Heaven chokeslam, and that was enough for the win. Now, Julius kicked out. As soon as the three count was made, he lifted his right shoulder up and kicked out of the chokeslam. Priest was pissed. I don't know what he was actually pissed about. It could have been the fact that he kicked out of the chokeslam, or it could have been the fact that Brutus came down right across his face after the Brutus ball off the top rope. Regardless, it was a great tag team match. Crowd was a little quiet for the beginning portions of it. Really picked up. The excitement built and the excitement pick up. The last three, four minutes of the match. Really good stuff. Priest chucked Julius out of the ring. Again, he didn't look very pleased. Ripley was happy they retained, but Priest looked very angry as the show came to a close. I legit thought they were going to give the Crees the titles. But they didn't. Judgment Day lives on. Judgment Day retains the titles. And like I said earlier, the Creeds are going to be tag team champions in 2024. Mark my words. I don't know who they are going to beat. I don't know when it's going to happen or where it's going to happen. But they lost tonight. And this is WWE giving the Creeds every possible test to see what they are made of. Their characters and their charisma, that will grow with more times on television. Hopefully, you can see what they see in Julius. They are looking at Julius as a major breakout guy. Solo. 
he's fucking fantastic. I, I think the Creeds themselves are just great. They are a special team. Now, they don't have the charisma. They don't have the character work. They don't have the natural just mic ability yet. Hopefully, all of that stuff kind of comes at a later time. But, again, like I said in the beginning, they were given a test. The gauntlet was a test. Where they won the gauntlet match to even get this title match. The gauntlet was a test. They beat DIY. They beat the, the, the fucking New Day. They beat Indusher. And now they're in the ring with Damian Priest and Finn Balor, who basically have led Monday Night Raw along with Judgment Day. That's not, you know, anything to really laugh at. That's a prime position for them. That could have been given to anybody, but they gave it to the Creeds. They threw the Creeds into the deep end of the pool, and they absolutely swam to safety. WWE knows what they got in the Creeds, and this was a huge test. Even though they lost, they passed the test with flying colors because they stood toe-to-toe with the tag team champions and delivered a great match, minus the potential botch at the end where Damian Priest was upset because Brutus came down on his face. I thought tonight was, all in all, a good show. Normally, the Christmas episodes, the holiday-themed shows are just very cringy. And tonight really felt like a taped show, even though it wasn't. Friday's a taped show. SmackDown's taped. But we'll be live after SmackDown, because there's some major happenings happening on that show. Royal Rumble implications. But all in all, for a holiday show where they are usually very cringy and very campy, I thought this was a solid show tonight. Some great wrestling. We got day one being built up very nicely. In two weeks on January 1, that's going to be a big show for Monday Night Raw. Punk will be back. McIntyre, Rollins, Ripley, Ivy Nile. Some great stuff happening on that show. So we will see what happens, man. This was legitimately the last Monday Night Raw television show for 2023. Great. On to the next. Thank you guys very much for all your support. We're going to run through these super chats. And then I am going to get out of here, man. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all of the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up as well. Let's try for a thousand likes. We got 722 likes. I'd love if we can get close to a thousand. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out in just a second and go check out my sponsor for tonight's show. Tonight's show sponsored by Emmy. Go check them out. Link is in the live stream chat pinned at the very top. Emmyeats.com slash JD from NY. Use my promo code JD from NY and get 15% off your delicious Emmy ramen noodles. Thank you to Emmy for supporting the show tonight, sponsoring the show right here on OTS. Who's first? Who is number one in the venue tonight? Nate with 14 months. I'm excited for this Wednesday's Holiday Bash Dynamite. Should be a damn good show since the pay-per-view is next Saturday. 
It is. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Nate, for 14 months. Michael Krause with the $2 Super Chat. What's up from Walla? Hope you had a good weekend, bro. Thank you, Michael. Akachira with a $5 Super Chat. Merry Mismas, everyone. May you all be Maurice and Bright. May your tiny balls grow tonight. I don't know where you're getting your nursery rhymes, Akachira, but I appreciate you and your $5 Super Chat. Thank you, brother. Beyond the script with 27 months. Nearing 30 months. Absolutely, brother. You got to go microphone, though. Doing a room share until we find a place. Hotels get really expensive. Just paying 700 a week. Love you, JD, and all the OTS family. Hopefully, you get your situation settled very soon, man. Michelle with the $2 Super Chat. Wrestling Ludwig Kaiser seems beneath Jay Uso now. Yeah, Jay is just biding time until the Royal Rumble where they'll probably set up his WrestleMania match with Jimmy Uso. Miles Marable with a 1999 Super Chat. With all the videos WWE has put on YouTube of Punk's greatest matches and the Royal Rumble will be 10 years to the day Punk walked out and the story with him and Seth not main eventing WrestleMania before, I think Punk wins the Rumble. I'm going with CM Punk as well. Michael Bellin with a $5 Super Chat and a 24 months. So he's got a gold microphone. Congratulations, Michael. And $5. He says, hey, JD, I got my call beverage ready to listen to the best podcast in the IWC. Oh, also purchased my new OTS zip-up hoodie. Happy holidays, OTS for life. Michael, thank you very much for all of your support. And congratulations on the golden microphone, brother. Otis. Another gold microphone tonight. OTS Gold Mic Club. Finally got my gold mic. Thanks for everything. I've learned so much from you, and I thank you. Love the venue and the chat. Hashtag OTS Bloodline. Otis, thank you for being here, brother. Appreciate you, man. Christopher Smith with a 499. That Drew promo felt so real, talking about the sacrifices wrestlers make. In my opinion, Drew was saying he needs to win to justify the sacrifices he's made. Sometimes you don't need to overthink the story. Just take some real life and boom, you got a story. Jason Barker with a $5 super chat. Shill New Japan, LOL. Nah. Nah, I'm going to continue to shield Triple H and Tony as I see fit. Because you want to know why? I can like both WWE and AEW. Corey Williams with the 16 months. I'm excited about WWE Wrestling Raw Day 1, 2024. Thank you, Corey. Day 1 should be great. Said Suka with a 499. Triple H been cooking with Ross in SummerSlam. Either solid to great shows each week. 2024 is going to be epic. 
Now with Punk at the top, Creeds are generational talents. Creeds are going to be great. And 2024, man, an entire Royal Rumble into WrestleMania season booked by Triple H. Sign me up. Taco Schmucko with a $10 super chat. JD, I just finished my bachelor in electrical engineering. It helped through hard times seeing your drama with AEW's women's locker room. Thank you, bro, for a strong mentality and your insight on booking theory. Thank you, Taco Schmacco, and congratulations on the Bachelor in Electrical. Sounds like you got a great, uh, a great career ahead of you, brother. Glad we could be here for it. Not today, Jay, with a 499. Is it just me? Or when every time Nia Jax is on my TV with a mic in her hand, I mute my TV? No, you're not alone. You're not alone. I don't mute the TV. I just walk away and go do basically anything else. Tay-Tay, the savior with a 999. Miz and Gunther cooked tonight. Creed's passed with flying colors. And congratulations to Katana Chance and Kenny Carter for winning the women's tag team titles. Miz and Gunther did cook. Probably the best match of the night. Sticky Doodle with a 199. How would you react to Nia Jax winning the Royal Rumble? Sticky Doodle. Nia Jax is not winning the Royal Rumble. But if I was to react, I don't know, man. I may say, I may say some things that may end up getting me canceled. Dr. Evil Genius with a 199. N.Y. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Chakra Rasta. Five dollars super chat. Gunther vs. Gargano, I think, is where they're going. I don't mind that at all, man. Sign me up. Sign me the fuck up. If that's the case. Tyler with a 199. I hope Dexter Loomis returns soon. Dexter Loomis has no creative right now. He may be in the Royal Rumble. Lunar Guardian with 16 months. Happy holidays, JD. Thank you, Lunar. I appreciate that. Happy holidays to you and your family as well. John 10 with a $2 super chat. The title needs Punk Rollins to not feel second. I mean, well, Rollins deserves a main event too. And if they're going to go Rollins Punk, he might as well just do it. Delightful entertainment with a 199. All the holiday shows are cringe. Now, tonight wasn't that bad. Come on now. Most of the time they are cringe, yes. Hopefully on AEW Dynamite, we don't see Tony Khan dressed as Santa Claus handing out fucking gifts and whatnot. You know? Will Chisholm with a $5 super chat. I will say, with all the Mercedes teases Bailey been doing on social media, I gotta believe there's a payoff. 
Well, Bailey is a known troll, Will, so we don't really know what's going on there. She could really be trolling the fans. Basic with the nine months. Thank you, Basic. Glad to be a part of this community, JD. Thank you for giving me something to look forward to during the week. Stay safe and God bless, brother. Thank you for being here, man. Nine months. Nine months, bro. You're almost out of full year. WrestleMania season will mark one year for you. Excellent. Hollywood guy with a $5 super chat. JD, your top five gimmick wrestlers or gimmicks in general. Uh, Hollywood guy, I'm going to have to take a rain check on that one. My favorite gimmick of all time, though, I will say this. Easy, Undertaker. Easy. Mr. Perfect. Ted DiBiase. Money, Inc. Just great gimmicks, man. Just to, just to name a few. Just to name a few. I was a big Tatanka guy, too. The narcissist Lex Luger, man. WWE had some great gimmicks. Some great gimmicks. Razor Ramon. Phil with a $4.99. Purchased a new OTS zip-up hoodie as soon as you sent out the tweet about it. Thank you, Phil. I did get that notification. Thank you, brother. I'll always support this amazing podcast and the community behind it. Thank you, man. And Sean Ray J with a $20 Super Chat. If Nia declared for the Rumble, who is facing Rhea at the Rumble? I'm honestly confused about who faces Rhea at Mania. Because if Becky beats Nia, doesn't she go on to face Rhea at the Rumble? Then maybe we get Nia versus Becky versus Rhea at the Elimination Chamber. Sean, you make uh, some valid points, bro. I, I don't know. I don't even know if Rhea defends the title. Does she even defend the title at the Royal Rumble? We don't know. They may just save her match for Australia at the Elimination Chamber. I don't fucking know. Ravishing Rick Rude, yes. The model, Rick Martel, Goldust. Sting. You guys know it. Anyway, I'm getting out of here, guys. I got some stuff to take care of before I lay my head down and go to sleep. But thank you guys for all of your support tonight. Please follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Go and check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button as well down below. And go check out Immy ramen noodles immyeats.com slash jd from ny use that code at checkout save 15% off and tomorrow I will see you guys right back here man 8.30pm eastern Andrew Baydella myself TNT right here on OTS I'll see you guys later
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.